to some people, these ideas do sound kind of strange or new or fresh or, you know, dare we say radical. I like to say America was born from secession. I don't know what everyone's so scared about talking about ideas. Hello and welcome to the Texas News Podcast. On today's show, we're going to bring you across the country to one of the independence movements happening on the East Coast right there in New Hampshire. In the New Hampshire House, every single bill hits the floor, which made it a perfect legislature to introduce independence legislation. Today, we're going to be joined by Carla Garrick of the Free State Project and the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence to discuss what's happening in New Hampshire, what the status is on these independence bills, and how the Texit petition could affect their efforts to get New Hampshire independence. So don't go anywhere. So as I discussed on today's Texas News Podcast, uh, we're going to have Carla Garrick on. And Carla and I have known each other for many, many, many years. Uh, in fact, if, if you want to know uh, anything about what's shaking in New Hampshire, you're going to find Carla somewhere in the mix. Uh, she is uh, definitely one of the absolute most active people there trying to get freedom and liberty for people in New Hampshire. But of course, Carla and I came across each other uh, initially through our shared goal of independence for our respective states. And so uh, Carla's here to add some fresh perspective for everyone. You know, we, we talk a lot here in Texas about how uh, there are independence movements around the world, how what we're doing is part of a much larger trend. And, you know, we talk uh, about Texas, eighth largest economy in the world. We talk about California, uh, both big states. There's discussion about Florida. Uh, but we also have to remember that independence is not just for big states. Uh, independence exists, uh, the, the right of independence exists for any state in the union who wants to make a go of it and who believes in the right of self-government. And so we're going to take you over to New Hampshire, uh, an independence movement that we have talked about uh, extensively. Uh, we have been to uh, conferences there in New Hampshire uh, to discuss this independence issue. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to having Carla on. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and bring on Carla Garrick, both of the Free State Project and the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. Hey, Carla, and thank you for uh, for being a guest on the Texas News Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be fun. You know, you and I knew each other for years before we actually saw each other face-to-face. -face. I know. I think the first time we met in person was at Port Fest, if I remember correctly. That's correct. And, and for Texans who may not know, that has nothing to do with hog hunting from a helicopter. It does not. It also has nothing to do with barbecue, although we do like to have a pork roast with a K uh, at Pork Fest with uh, a C. So Pork Fest, of course, is our Porcupine Freedom Festival, and that's our summer festival we do up here in the great free state of New Hampshire. Well, uh, I had a had a wonderful time and uh, looking forward to uh, attending again. But uh, first off, before we, we launch into talking about sort of the big moves on the self-determination front coming out of New Hampshire. Uh, why don't you give everyone a sort of a brief overview of what the Free State Project is? 
Sure. So, I mean, the Free State Project is the most audacious, successful liberty movement in the world. I mean, you Texans have it down for your independence movement down there. But basically what we're trying to do up here in the Northeast is create a libertarian home state or a libertarian small L freedom loving state where people can concentrate together to remind Americans that actually freedom works. Freedom's a great idea. Freedom is what we built this country on and uh, freedom is what is going to make us succeed again. So basically in a nutshell, the Free State Project is a geopolitical movement to concentrate liberty lovers in one place and the state we picked was New Hampshire. We've been around for about 20 years. Uh, we're probably the best kept secret in the world, but we constantly rate as a state as the freest state in of the 50 states. And in fact, that rating just came out last week from Cato Institute and we smoked Florida for number one again. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and of course, you know, obviously uh, your, your work with the Free State Project uh, dovetails rather nicely with the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. And, and of course, there have been a lot of movements on the independence front in New Hampshire. Uh, while I was there visiting, uh, and, and as I've gotten to know you, I, I have uh, made note of, of many of the differences sort of of the political system landscape between Texas and New Hampshire. There, you know, you, you start looking at, at, at unique political systems and, and each one of us has a unique political system. Uh, but ultimately for you guys, you've got, uh, you've got a, a little bit different path to getting independence for New Hampshire. Uh, explain to, to those who may not understand kind of how your legislature works, and, and uh, that'll take us, I think, into talking about the legislation that you guys have gotten filed. Sure. So uh, the first thing I should say is the Free State Project is kind of this pioneer movement that is attracting people to the state of New Hampshire. Not all free staters are pro-independence or pro-secession. And I just always like to say that because to some people, these ideas do sound kind of strange or new or fresh or, you know, dare we say radical. I like to say America was born from secession. I don't know what everyone's so scared about talking about ideas. But... Um, so the independence work is very separate from the Free State Project, just to make that clear. Uh, so on the independence front, New Hampshire is unique in the sense that we have the third largest legislature in the English-speaking world. The state of New Hampshire has about 1.2, 1.3 million people, but we have 400 state reps in the state house, and then we have 24 senators, and then we have an executive council who are five people. I was gonna say dudes, it's usually dudes, but I think we have a lady there now. Uh, five folks who actually approve every single check that is issued in the state of New Hampshire, that's over $5,000. So there's a sort of executive council looking at how the state is spending money. Um, so each state rep represents about a thousand I'm sorry, about 3,300 people. So my point is there's a very sort of direct relationship. For the most part, the legislature is citizen, legislature, people. They only get paid $100 a year. So these are honest folk who aren't in it for the money or for the corruption or anything. So that makes New Hampshire quite unique. 
uh, both the legislature, I think, and the way we're structured makes us unique. We don't have, as you see with some other states, uh, propositions or anything. So when we want to change something in New Hampshire, we can either write a bill and every single bill in New Hampshire gets a hearing. So that's kind of interesting too, right? Like, hey, pause for a second, Carla. Uh, Texans, I want you to let that sink in, okay, for, for a second. We have here in our legislature in the House, we have what's called a calendars committee. And, and the joke is that's where good bills go to die is, is, is committee. So, Carla, at the risk of being repetitive, please say that loud enough for the Texans in the <laughs> back to hear that it is something that is possible. It is possible. So we are doing hearings on every bill, of course. Then there is also the flip side, which is you can't write a million bills, right? Because there's only so much time in linear time space at the moment. So, so uh, you know, each bill gets a hearing, but because we don't have propositions, if you want to change something here, what we do generally is we introduce constitutional amendments. So the process for that in New Hampshire is you introduce a bill, uh, you say, hey, we want to amend the New Hampshire Constitution in the following ways, and then that goes to the House and the Senate. Um, I believe the governor doesn't even get a veto right. If it passes the House and the Senate with a 67% vote, then it automatically goes on to the ballot. Oh, sorry, it's a House and Senate at 60%, and then it goes to the ballot, and then it has to pass with the 67% threshold. And then you've amended the New Hampshire Constitution, and then that is the way it works. And that might sound pie in the sky to people, but in the 15 years that I've been involved here in New Hampshire in politics... I moved from New York City back in 2008 with sort of the, the Ron Paul wave that came out this way. And um, I've seen at least two constitutional amendments take place in those 15 years, including one in 2018 that really expanded our right to privacy. And I think that's going to be an interesting one that's going to come into play as we sort of go down uh to claim more of our rights back to all of us, right? Which is really the reason we're having this conversation. So, um, yeah. So we're going to try to uh, give the voters of New Hampshire, and I think this is the important part, is you put the question to the people who have to decide. Like, the gatekeeper shouldn't be the state house, even. But right. I will, uh, I'll explain how the bills work in a second. <laughs> sure. And, and look, that'll, that'll take us a little bit of the process. So now that, now that we've got everyone hopefully understanding the lay of the land, uh, when I was at, at, uh, Fort, no, it was when I, I was at the, the, uh, the other event and Liberty Forum. Yeah. That one's coming Forum. up in March. That one, uh, by the way, I enjoyed that panel immensely. Um, it's funny to hear people laugh at my accent, but that's okay. Uh, I, I enjoy that. Uh, but you guys were, were riding off a high because the, the, in the session, you guys got, got the legislation introduced to essentially put, uh, to amend the New Hampshire Constitution, calling for New Hampshire to become a self-governing independent nation. Why don't you explain sort of that process and, and where, where that ended up? Okay, so basically that was called CACR 32. And for people who really want to do the deep <laughs> dive, there's a fantastic NBC Boston. Go figure, mainstream media actually covered us last year and they did a pretty decent job of at least representing us with our own words. So if we sound crazy, it's because we're saying crazy <laughs> things. It's not because they made us sound crazy. 
to be fair. <laughs> so uh, CACR 32 uh, basically said, in a nutshell, said that providing that the state of New Hampshire peaceably declares independence from the United States and proceeds as a sovereign nation. And those are the words that would then appear on the ballot. So it's a really short sentence. It contains the word peace, peaceable because that's really important for people to understand. This is a uh, movement to try and actually improve life for people and peace does that. So, um, so we introduced CACR 32 last year. It uh, did not do phenomenally in that big house that I just talked about. It got 13 votes out of the 400. Now, some people are like, what? It only got 13 votes. It's dead in the water. I like it got 13 votes like the original 13 colonies. I think that's a great place to start from, right? <laughs> Well, and, you know, that's that's the thing about it. Uh, you know, th this issue, and, and Carla, you know, because we, we talked about this, this issue is, is a very different issue. I mean, this isn't this isn't about the government building a bridge or, you know, I mean, this is, it's an independence issue. And the fact that it made it to the floor and had a record vote uh, is, is monumental. I mean, you think about the fact that you actually are having legislation like this introduced into state houses to give the people a vote on independence you know the, the opposition would paint it as though you couldn't find anyone to support that bill with a hunting dog and a ouija board right uh, but 13 i mean you got it through the process you got it to the floor and you had 13 people step up and say i'm in and not only those 13 i mean when you talk to other folks behind the scenes it has a lot more support than that. I mean, the right. number I actually heard is if people felt like they weren't being intimidated, uh, because there was intimidation, I do believe, you know, people are scared of this idea. And I'll tell you why, because around about the same time, I think you guys ran one in Texas, a, a, a official survey, an official poll. And we did one here in New Hampshire. And that poll came out and it said that 52% of Republican respondents on that day of that poll would vote to secede. And those are the kind of numbers that terrify people, right? Exactly. Um, and what was also interesting out of that poll actually was that only 3% of respondents, and there were over a thousand people who took this poll. It was one, you know, do, done formally through a official poll taker. It wasn't like one of my magic little internet <laughs> polls. Um, only 3% said they supported violence if people wanted to explore this as a, as a, uh, avenue. And I think that's very positive, right? Because that's the one thing we constantly hear is this will lead to violence. And I'm like, well, actually, if you start navigating from the, the principle of this is a nonviolent choice, then it doesn't have to lead to violence. It's only the bullies who believe or say that. Right. And and look, just to be clear for everyone listening out there, what Carla's referring to is, is that Survey USA poll that, that we talk about all the time that, you know, in that uh, and and Carla, I don't know if you got to listen to the, the podcast last week, but, you know, we had this horrible article uh, written by this, um, you know, this obvious uh, opposer at the dispatch 
And, you know, he he was slamming everything about this. I mean, it was just full. But the one thing that he could not get around was that polling data from Survey USA, which, you know, interestingly enough, for those of you out there that have not heard me crow about this enough, Survey USA was ranked the number one most accurate pollster uh, in the United States by 538. You know, Nate Silver and his group of polling warlocks over there uh, track that data. And so when you get the results from that Survey USA poll, when Carla's talking about that for New Hampshire, understand that, that the accuracy on that is, is undeniable. You know, that means that that support exists. Uh, and, and even though, and I know you qualified it because I know you're very careful on that particular day, but let's be honest, this is not, the, the issue of independence is not a hokey pokey issue. It's not one day you put your left foot in, then you put your left foot out. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you begin to move down that track and, and you're in it to win it. You know, your, your levels and passion about it may change, but when it comes time to vote on it, that's, that's where you're going to be. Right, absolutely. And I think that's so important because it is an issue of having the conversations and the dialogues. Every single new idea or old ideas when they come around for the, you know, because apparently we never learn anything from history and so we're doomed to repeat it. And, you know, some of us read enough where we're <laughs> like, Maybe there are solutions to these problems we find ourselves in. And I think so. That's so important. This isn't a fad. It's not a trend. It's not. It is literally people who are solution driven, which I am. You know, my background, I'm a lawyer. I was a tech lawyer. I worked in Silicon Valley. I practiced law on two continents. Like it's not some fly by night. It is literally I look at the landscape of the world and I go, where can I make an input and a change? that I actually think will remarkably improve life. And right. so that's what I'm trying to do here in New Hampshire and the free state. So I think that segues beautifully into this, this the bills that we have this year, because um, there was talk amongst different, you know, we have different factions, I would say, of people who are into independence here. There are like the hardcore people who just want to call it secession and I like the term independence because I think it lends itself both from personal independence and personal self-ownership all the way to nation states and that kind of thing, right? right? And it's a softer word that I think more people can get around. Some people want it to be done through the federal government. Some people want to do it on state level, whatever, right? But what we did with the CACR 32 did give us this benchmark from last year. So we have the 13 out of 400. So this year, people are like, let's not introduce a bill. And I understand why some people would feel that way because they're concerned. What if we get less votes than 13? What if it goes down to just the sponsor, right? Aren't we losing? No, because what this can become is a referendum. It can be, you know, the, first of all, they are the gatekeepers of the state house. It's not really their decision. It's the decision of the voters of the Granite State. So I think reintroducing these bills, maybe in different forms a little bit, every time we can, will start to increase our ability to cogently and intelligently talk about these issues. So for this year, for 20, you know, for 2023, the two bills that have been introduced, the one is sort of a enhancement of the CACR 32. So it's basically that same language. We want to peaceably go our own way. But this time they added a triggering event. So they said, okay, if the national debt 
reaches $40 trillion, which is an insane amount of money. Right. And, and of course, at the rate that it's climbing, I mean, look, what time is it? Right? I mean, what, <laughs> we're not even joking. You know, uh, oh. I swear when I started doing interviews, Daniel, I looked oh. it up and I was like, oh, where are we at? And I was like, oh, last time I looked, we were at 33 wow. trillion. So I was like, let me just make sure I have my numbers straight. In the 90 days that I have been doing this, it's gone up to 33.7 trillion. So it's gone up 0.7 tr trillion with a tie. Yeah. Um, and so it is unsustainable. I mean, that 40 trillion isn't a stretch number. It's coming fast, right? Which is part of the reason it's important to start to talk about this because everyone's kicking the can down the road. But you know what? The can at some stage, either the road ends or something happens to the can, right? So right. I think our runway is going. So that would be we're going to do the same constitutional amendment if we get hit that $40 trillion. So that's the one bill. Then the other one is introducing a study committee. And this is obviously a bit of a softer approach. It's really us starting to be like, look, you have legitimate questions. Anyone I talk to about these issues, you know, people, everything from what happens to my social security or well, I need a passport to go to Maine. Uh -huh. uh, you know, how are we going to deal with national Ooh. defense? We're going to build a moat. Uh, um, <laughs> that's it. you got to keep the people um, from Massachusetts out somehow, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, but but to start to really grapple with some of these questions, right? What What would energy look like? So this bill is really a nod to the fact that there is work to be done. And it's trying to start to bring the right stakeholders together. So it's people from government, it's people from departments, it's people from the public and say, hey, guys, let's get together around the table and let's start to talk about it. Because once people can uh, answer questions, the, the fear factor reduces a lot, too, right? Because it's it sounds, you know, again, it sounds slightly radical now. But, you know, if you tell people if we hit that 40 trillion, you're probably not going to see your Social Security check anyway. Hate to break right. the news to you. Right. So it's an issue of having those conversations and having some of the harder conversations now so that in 10 years or whatever that runway is, uh, we, we're well positioned to help our friends and neighbors to build a more prosperous future for all of us. Well, uh, Carla, I'm I'm very excited. Let, let's get down to just some some final questions because I don't want to keep you all day, and I could just so you <laughs> understand because you know I, I mean the the fact that that you're talking about the the questions that you're hearing in New Hampshire, um, you know we we honestly leaders of independence movements inside the United States should start a support group. We should just get together and have some group therapy. <laughs> Both groups therapy or maybe yeah. once a month we should do a zoom call and just invite people and just have a really good open conversation yeah. i do find you know through the questions people ask you can learn so much about what the concerns are so what do they think you know really you know and a lot of it is as it should be it's it's personal people are like oh uh, like how will this impact me and so i want to make sure we can actually address concerns as as they come up, because I think that'll help us over the long term. Definitely. 
Well, look, shifting gears a little bit, uh, one of the things that, that you have been doing, because New Hampshire is a first-in-the-nation primary, you've had a, a an opportunity to go directly address the issue of independence with presidential candidates. Uh, so, it, And let me just be clear for Texans out there, when I say presidential, I mean federal presidential candidates, right? So you, you've had the opportunity to go uh, actually address this. Why don't you... Uh, give us a couple couple little stories about that because it's I've seen videos and and I'm I'm loving it every second. <laughs> so so Park Fest, which we mentioned at the start of the show, p o r c e f e s t dot com for folks who want to uh, come. It always sells out, so get your tickets now. It's a week long camping thing. It's a lot of fun because we're first in the nation. Although apparently Biden doesn't know that anymore, uh, must have slipped his mind like so many Shocker. things. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Shocker. So, um, Pork Fest, we we did have the honor actually of of hosting a lot of good candidates. You know, uh, Vivek was out there. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's been taking you know pretty good positions on stuff. Larry nah. Elder came out from California. What a charming gentleman! I had a really great time talking to him. And then, of course, Bobby Kennedy came out as well, and that caused all kinds of ruptures because. Oh. He wanted a gun-free zone. I said we could do it, but Pork Fest, of course, is like two-way, and everyone's got their rifles on their backs, and you know, it was interesting. But you know, like good, freedom-loving people who believe in the policies of live and let live, we somehow made it work. We had a gun-free zone for Bobby Kennedy for the two hours he was there, while right next to it on the field, they were building. Uh, 3D printed guns and having an open gun carry protest. So only at Porkfest, as I like to say. Um, so so with with Robert Kennedy, actually, you know, he, he 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 got the most direct one that I asked. You know, Larry kind of worked a little bit with the question, but the question or the way I like to frame it is. I like to make things personal because, you know what, if someone's going to be the president, I want to know, are you? Hey, Bobby Kennedy. Hey, Larry Elder. Hey, Vivek. Are you going to send the army to come murder me if the voters in this geographic area choose a different future? And of course, you know, it's a good question because it really does force the question. So, they're all good politicians, so they did as they like to do. They did a little sidestep. Um, understandably, but I think it's a question that is, I'm going to keep in the news. We're going to continue to keep up. Most of them deflect, right? So Robert Kennedy uh, said, uh, he said, you know, I'm going to answer with, uh, with, uh, with what he, he called it. It was implausible deniability, but it's one of those words uh, he um God, I'm blanking on the words, but basically the same policy as they have with Taiwan, right? Where it's strategic ambiguity. That's the one. I'm going to answer with strategic ambiguity. You know, it's like, of course you are. Why is it important to ask the questions? It's important to keep the issue in the forefront of the media. The media doesn't want to talk about this. This is an issue that should be kept in the news so that more 
just ordinary Americans can understand there are other options. Like we don't actually have to suffer under this yoke of the federal government. We can say, and it's a big cudgel, whether we actually become independent, which, you know, I want to be queen of a little country, so sure, I'm down. Yeah. But even just using it as the sort of, you know, the, 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 the stick and the carrot and the stick to make sure that we can nullify all that is coming out of D.C., which is unconstitutional, which is about 98% of everything they're doing up there. Um, it, either way, it, it, it plays a very strong role. So I get it that the politicians are like, I don't really want to answer your question, but I think it's our responsibility as granite staters to ask the, them the question and help them understand that actually they do have a choice. Like, even if it's not a popular idea, you as an individual and as a human being, you can pledge to yourself, you know what? If that happened, I would not do that. I, this president, I, this person people voted for, won't do it. So if we can even just start to remind them that maybe that is the way to start to navigate and think about life is, oh, we don't murder people we disagree with. That's not really civilized. I think even that has has value. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's uh, it it's been a strategy uh, that that we've used here, and and you know, I talked about it there at the Liberty Forum. I, I, it's a proper question to ask people running for office if they believe in your right of self-government and to use that as a litmus test and essentially say, do you believe the best person to govern us is us or just you, right? Do you believe in our fundamental right of self-government? And, you know, and then you make your choice based off of whether they're wrong. But what one thing, and, and Carla alluded to it, and, and this is something that we tell you guys a lot, when you ask the question publicly, get it on video. Make sure you record it for posterity's sake. Uh, all right, uh, Carla, final, uh, final question because I know we've got to let you go. So you know that we're, uh, we've got this massive petition effort down here right now, and uh, it seems dead certain that we'll be crossing the finish line uh, that will actually, this will actually put the question on the, uh, the primary ballot for the Republican Party. I don't know that we're going to cross the Democrat threshold, but still, dominant political party here in Texas, uh, and, and voters could, in March, go to the polls and answer the question, should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? Uh, we're obviously excited uh, to, to you know have this opportunity to get this across the finish line, and even though the referendum is, is effectively advisory because we don't have true INR either, you know, we just have this limited uh, instance where we can get it on a primary ballot. But how do you think uh, getting that on that ballot, I mean, it'll obviously be news, but how do you think us getting that on the March primary ballot, how do you think that will, will help you guys? Or will it, you know, how will it will affect your work there in New Hampshire? Um, I think it can only affect us positively. So, of course, thank you for everything that you guys are doing out there on this issue. Uh I think every state in every area where these conversations start to ha happen, whether it's greater Idaho, uh, Idaho or, you know, up in the California in the different areas or down in Texas or what we're doing up here. I think every one of those is a fantastic talking point and an example and a way to start to say, guys, we have problems and some of us are trying to solve them. 
So let's actually explore these ideas in a, in, in, in a genuine and open fashion. We can't just continue to say some ideas are not allowed to be talked about. I'm like, what? what is that? I don't understand that sort of life philosophy. So I think uh, what you guys are doing is going to help and inform what we're doing. I think all of these movements are complementary. Both times that you and I have you know, served on panels together or talked about these issues at various conferences, you know, we've always said it's really interesting. I would say our flavor up here in New Hampshire is more small L libertarian. And you guys are down there doing more of a Republican Robert conservative thing. You know, up in California, they're doing whatever they're doing, smoking whatever they're smoking. More power to all of us. That's part of the point is that we're, as a nation, there we don't all share the same values. So let's make sure we're all kind of migrating and and surrounding ourselves in a way that that makes sense politically socially economically you know i mean one thing we all know is freedom leads to prosperity and communism leads to poverty and i don't want to be poor and hungry so i'm going to do my best to not do that so everything you guys are doing is making it better and easier for us and likewise you know us up here we're trying different things America was born from the notion that we were a laboratory, you know, we were supposed to be experimental. We were supposed to experiment and come up with the best ways. We've lost our way. So for me up here in New Hampshire, I'm kind of like, let's make America states again. And if we can't do that, then I'm going to make America 2.0 up here in the beautiful free state. Uh, I love it. I love it. You know, right now on, on this podcast, you and I are on here and we are both proposing a 4% reduction in the number of senators in Washington, D.C. You got to love this. <laughs> and honestly, the argument I think we should make with our fellow statesmen is you could be richer tomorrow. I mean, here in New Hampshire, we're net payers to the federal government. We would literally be richer. We export our nuclear energy. We don't keep any here. Why is that? So I think there are a lot of awesome things that we're going to discover over the years. And I think we're going to continue this conversation. And I wish you all the success. I can't wait to see what you guys get done in the next few months. Well, Carla, you know, you know, the feeling is mutual. And likewise, uh, we are always rooting for y'all success. And, and always uh, we will be friends on this journey towards self-determination. Uh, I will not do like I did with Dr. Naylor. We will not have a beer bet on who, who hits the finish line <laughs> first. Uh, we're just going to celebrate uh, whichever one gets across, right? That that sounds that sounds delightful to me, sure. I love it. Well, Carla, thank you so much for being with me here today, and I uh, can't wait to see you again. Take care. All right, folks. Uh, I've, again, I, I can't thank Carla enough for coming on here and sharing with us the, the progress of what's happening in New Hampshire. And of course, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, and you heard it there uh, at the end of our interview, the the synergy that develops among these self-determination movements. I mean, you, you uh, if you were at the Texas conference, you got to hear from representatives from other independence movements talking about this very thing. And while they may be coming at it from a different perspective, uh, at the core of it, it is that idea that Carla talked about, which is uh, this idea that let California govern California, let New Hampshire govern New Hampshire, let Texas govern Texas. Uh, or in, in the case of Graham Moore from uh, from the English Constitution Party, 
Let England govern England. You know, and it really does get down to this fundamental right of self-government. Who is best to make decisions for you? Is it you or is it bureaucrats that didn't that you didn't elect forcing policies on you that you don't want? Who is it? So that being said, it's time to rip into some brief news uh, and, and I will keep it short uh, because I'm sure some of you may be listening to this right around the Thanksgiving holiday. And, um, you know, happy Thanksgiving. Hope your Thanksgiving was a great one. But to, on the on the news front, I mean, look, th- this has been um, one for the books. Uh, we, as of the the recording of this podcast, the Texas House of Representatives just shot a big middle finger to Governor Greg Abbott on the school choice issue. And while I would love to break that down into some uh, minute detail, uh, I don't think it's necessary. And the reason I don't think it's necessary is because we all know that the Texas House is pretty jacked up. Uh, and it it is a spreading dysfunction through the Texas government. You know, you've got the House impeachment against uh, Ken Paxton. You have the Senate acquittal. You've got uh, Greg Abbott forcing into, you know, now a fourth special session. Uh, and in this fourth special session ends with Greg Abbott not getting what he wants. And if there is one thing that is abundantly clear is that Greg Abbott is not beyond jumping into the primaries to support challengers. Now, we already know that Attorney General Ken Paxton is on a crusade against incumbents in the Texas House. He's endorsing challengers and races up and down and helping them raise money, helping them gain uh, credibility, uh, you know, publicity. Uh, you know, getting out there to the voters who are really upset over how the Paxton impeachment went down. But now that upset is is translating into this massive blowback from the House against Governor Greg Abbott's, uh, one of his pet issues. And while they did pass legislation uh, in the in the third, well, I guess technically it was in the fourth, uh, but, but with, while they did pass legislation that was essentially uh, a a bill. Uh, let, let me just let, let me just put it this way: they passed probably one of the toughest border protection bills that's ever been passed in any state. That allows Texas law enforcement, if they interdict, to immediately return these people to a port of entry. Now, here's the problem: uh, as I predicted, I believe that there was a poison pill in there, and indeed. Uh, I think the poison pill is that when they return them to the port of entry, uh, they effectively turn them back over to the federal government, which then just engages its catch and release program. So, again, um, something that looks good, sounds good, feels good, but in the end just adds a couple of steps to the status quo. And I'm not not a big fan, but but while I got across the finish line and seemed to scratch Greg Abbott's itch on that issue, probably because now these guys will be able to send mailers back into their district talking about how strong they are on the border. You know, now his other pet uh, issue, his other primary issue, which is school choice, just went down in flames in the Texas House with uh, a sizable number of Republicans siding with Democrats to torpedo the issue. So uh, I, I think this is, again, going to make it an interesting primary. Uh, it, you know, you, you get Texan on the ballot 
in March. You know, we cross that finish line in just, you know, a couple of weeks here uh, for the petition. It goes on the March ballot. Boom. Uh, now you've got pro-Texas candidates. You've got the governor uh, picking and choosing people. You've got the attorney general picking and choosing people. You've got a potentially a doubling effect because of the Texas referendum into the primaries. Um, this is going to be one for the history books. Uh, and I know I, I keep saying that, but I, I think it goes unnoticed how historic the last year has been. I mean, you you go run it back. It's It's been pretty doggone historic. I mean, you've got firsts and things that haven't happened in 100 years. And this is going to probably end up being the most challenged primary in Texas history. And I'm for it. I'm for it. Let's just get this over with. Let's get it done, right? The people are ready for change. They are ready to restore their right of self-government, and they're tired of an entrenched political establishment that denies them at every opportunity their mere right to enjoy their dadgum lives the way that they want. I mean, come on, people. This is your opportunity to make a lasting difference and a lasting change. So, that being said, will we head into a fifth special session? I don't know. Abbott has shown his appetite to do it. Uh, Dan Patrick suggested they get called back in February, two weeks before the uh, early voting starts in the primaries. So the possibility exists. The possibility exists that Greg Abbott could call them back, or he may just say, you know what? Let's just let the chips fall where they may uh, in the primaries. And, and honestly, that is probably the safest bet for anyone. Let this stuff get sorted out in the primaries. Let's just let the fight happen. Let's get it. Let's get it all out. I mean, it's kind of like Clemenza talking in The Godfather. It's like these things have to happen about every ten years or so. You know, going to the mattresses. Uh, you know, to get the bad blood out of the system. Just you know, sometimes you just got to let people fight it out. Uh, and you know, we're talking politically here, and and that may be the case. That may be the case with this. It may be just time to. Let everybody just go all in and uh, let the people have their say on where they want this to break. But ultimately, that means that you, the people, have to have a say. So let's let's get this thing done. I, I'm so excited. And, of course, you know, when we officially hit that number where we get across the finish line, to put the Texas question on the ballot, we will uh, we'll let you know. It, it won't be a secret. Trust me. All right. Uh, well, folks, that is going to be a wrap for Texas News uh, this week. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I just want to say how much I, I appreciate every single one of you. I, I thank you all uh, for being just so supportive of, of what we're doing, uh, of being uh, stuck in, so to speak, uh, to being so passionate being so driven toward this single goal to restore Texas to its status as an independent nation. Um, you know, every one of you does it for your own reasons. I, I don't pretend that we all uh, move in lockstep. We all have the same rationale. But at the end of the day, we're all moving the same direction. We believe that the best people to govern Texas are Texans. And that means that we believe in each other. And it's going to take each and every one of us 
working hard to make Texas independence a reality. So in the spirit of this Thanksgiving holiday, thank you. I, I just, I can't thank you enough uh, for your support over the years. All right, folks, that is a wrap on Texas news uh, for this week. Um, remember, uh, Texas petition, by the time this drops, will still be going on. You have an opportunity to get your signature uh, in a place where it matters. Head over to TexasPetition.com. Yeah, we'll we'll very likely hit that goal, but let's blow it out, right? Let's overshoot the runway. Let's just let's just go whole hog, and let's get as many signatures as possible to send a clear statement that uh, of what they can expect in March when Texans get an opportunity to vote on it. Uh, additionally, uh, please everywhere you find this podcast, whether it's on Apple. Uh, or Spotify, be sure to do all the things. Subscribe, like, leave comments, do all those things. And a reminder, uh, you can actually access the video version of this podcast on the TNM News site. Head over to news.tnm.me. Video access is, uh, of course, restricted to members, right? That is an exclusive for members of the TNM, and there is no better time than now to become a member of the organization that is making Texas independence a reality. All right, folks, I will leave you with the words that I leave you with every single solitary week, the words of Sam Houston, when he said that Texas will again lift its head and stand among the nations. I believe that time is now, and the question is, will you stand with her?